you the quantum mechanics. Yes, we're the quantum mechanics. We're the paranormal podcast for the believers, the doubters, and everyone in between. And Ben, uh, it was funny because last week we did that episode on supernatural snaps and photos that have been taken that some of them are fake, some of them are misidentified. And there was, uh, I picked up a story that was about this week. Do you remember, like a couple of months ago, or there was that story about one of the NASA rovers on Mars picking up uh, an image of some strange stuff that looked like kind of noodles or string? Is that yes, enough? yeah, I do. And everyone was convinced it was organic. Well, I think the reason everyone thought it was organic was it appeared um, on the image only for a few seconds and then it disappeared so it started all this speculation that it might be some kind of creature that had passed through the camera but there was you know if anyone hasn't listened to last week's episode have a listen it's really interesting about how photographs and images can either be misunderstood or misinterpreted and seen as something weird and paranormal which they're not nasa have got to the bottom of the mystery of the noodles as they're called um and it, as with all these things, it's not quite as exciting as we might think. It's not some Martian creature. It turns out it is something called Dacron netting. Dacron netting. Yes. So when the rover, uh, or the the yeah, the rover was coming down to land on the planet, uh, it's some kind of heat uh, netting that got shredded as it hit the surface and was basically left loose and what's interesting is the mars wind blew it in front of the camera for a you know however long it was there and then blew it away which started all this speculation that it was a living thing but actually it was from the rover itself and it wasn't a martian that is both disappointing and slightly hilarious that it's called Dacron Netting because they sound like they probably sell boxing solutions <laughs> off an estate in Slough. Yeah. But yeah. fine. Yeah. Dacron Netting, can I help you? <laughs> um, yeah. I, I quite liked it, though, because it reminded me, even though I've seen The Martian and all those kind of sci-fi films, and you, you kind of know that there are winds on Mars, you kind of forget that there are. So I quite liked it for that. It just kind of blew in front of the camera and blew away. I thought that was quite cool in a weird way. That is cool in a weird way. Um, and I suppose I hadn't really thought of the fact that Mars has wind. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's a gag there and neither, neither of us are going to make it. I'm but, not qualified <laughs> no, to make a gag, to make a gag about Mars having wind. But it, it does show you that... Um, it's easy. It reminded me of the uh, the Solway Spaceman. Oh, yes. Be yeah. Because it was like, yeah, it looked like noodles or pieces of string. And it did look weird, slightly spider-like. The fact that it appeared for a little bit and then disappeared. Your mind goes racing that it's some Martian or alien creature. But it was actually from the uh, rover itself. It also reminds me, I think there was something similar that happened with a Russian probe years ago that landed on Venus. And there was a kind of metallic something that was in front of the rover and everyone got really excited and it it turned out it was just a bit of the, the machine itself that got knocked off while it was landing. So it's not it's not a new thing. It's a it's a it's an occurrence that happens. That is interesting. I uh, see why it reminds you of the Solway Spaceman. I mean that was yeah, it's kind of like pareidolia, but not just for the human face, but for um, things that your brain interprets it at because we're so used to living on Earth, I guess. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, I don't really have a good segue to what we're talking about. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> except, except, I thought it was time for us to talk about time travel again. Oh, you know what? It's really strange you say that because I was thinking about that the other week i was thinking about the um the trump story that we did way back when and uh, let's put it this way we weren't quite as polished in those early days as we are now so i felt like we hadn't really covered time travel properly so i'm glad you're going there because i had thought about it yeah well it, 
I sort of got thinking about it because um, you know how you have your Apple News feed yeah. and it just keeps throwing up ridiculous stuff. And a few days ago, it threw up Time Traveller from 2906 claims Zombie Pig will escape lab and spread virus this year. <laughs> now, that is a headline. <laughs> it is a headline, but it's also patent nonsense. Or is it? I mean, I'm not going to say that that person uh, is speaking patent nonsense, but it does appear that way. Is it, are you saying it's Zombie Pig's will? <laughs> Um, it's just like every week there's a new this time traveler says this this time traveler says that there's going to be one hell of a queue for the time travel machines wherever they're coming from and they all come from different years but do you remember um and this would be about two years ago we covered the beatles never split up you know how we did that yes indeed with um stephen Irving from lloyd cole and the commotions fame gave us Gave us his opinion on the, the record, I remember, yes. Yeah. Essentially, what that claims is there's a man called James Richards, and on the 9th of September 2009, he claims that he fell over, or fell into a hole, but fell over whilst walking his dog, ended up in a parallel universe, and came back with a Beatles album that was currently being released in the parallel universe called everyday chemistry which also influenced the danny boyle movie a little bit it was that's i think that was the stem of the idea for the danny boyle movie where the beatles didn't exist and yeah if anyone's seen that movie and i i think the more the more i look at it the more i realize i think this was just a pr stunt i I agree. And also when you I quite weirdly, I quite like the record. If anyone hasn't heard it, you can just do a Google search. It's everyday chemistry. Um it's it's what we kind of concluded and a lot of people have said it's made up of uh some Beatles stuff and then some solo material from Paul McCartney, George Harrison. Uh, and John Lennon that has just been kind of almost jive bunny-esque mixed together. But there is some interesting stuff there. But I thought what was interesting when we had Stephen on talking about it, he didn't think that it was something somebody who was a fan could do in their bedroom. He felt you would need the original masters of the songs that we use to put it together, which does lend to the idea of it being a publicity stunt. Yeah, yeah. Well, it. I thought that was one of like the nicest uh, and most gentlest kind of. I don't, it's not a time travel scam, but it's a story. But one of the ones we've never spoken about was John Titor, and I know we've both been fascinated by that because that took. That was kind of one of the the internet's first big memes. Yeah, indeed. I think we did cover it actually briefly. In it was probably about the second or third episode that we did that I mentioned earlier, but we didn't do it justice. Well, I didn't do it justice because I didn't have a clue what I was doing back then. So I think it's definitely worth talking more about John Titor. Yeah, he's not where I'm going to land up. He's kind of, um, he's a stepping stone. But, oh God, this it's crazy to think there'll be those of you who are perfectly able to buy alcohol in shops but were bored after this happened because it was 2000. And he, this guy who claimed to be John Titor, started posting on forums of the Time Travel Institute, which it claimed at the time was dedicated to research and exploration of the temporal sciences. And he claimed, this is Titor, that he had returned from the year 2036 and he was a survivor of a civil war and nuclear attack. He'd been sent back in time to retrieve an IBM 5100 and that is a <laughs> the article I'm referring to calls it a primordial desktop PC um, that came out in 1975, and for some reason it was key to solving some um, future crisis. And he also claimed that his grandfather had worked on such a machine, and he was on his way back to 1975 to find him, which is it's a little bit odd to. You know, I'm not sure that's how I understood time travel work, that you kind of, you've stopped off in a different year on your 
way, but anyway. Like going to a motorway service station. No, no, exactly, exactly. I just stopped off for a wee and a burger and then I just went on. Well, his messages carried on for a good few months and then he claimed that he was off to 2036 uh, to stay there for good. But he posted a lot of really, I suppose, tantalising stuff, including images, which we'd never really seen before. So two of the images, one was supposedly of the badge of um, the branch of the... I guess, institute that he was working for. And the other was a picture of the device itself. And in one of them, it is shown bending a laser light. And I think that got everybody really kind of revved up. Right. And, and didn't he also post schematics of his time machine? As well? he, yeah, he did. But if you, and you can find them if you Google them, but they're kind of nonsense because they're just full of black boxes. Like, this is the reflux baduba and it's like yeah sure but what is it what what's it made of and it kind of the device that he is talking about it kind of looks something between like a metal detector and a hoover something something like that but now we have the foresight or at least the hindsight i should say looking back at this 22 years later it looks very much like that this was some kind of ARG, alternate reality game, which a lot of people indulge in these days. If you find yourself on um, a paranormal website, you could easily find yourself being taken in by um, one of these ARGs. And this was very early days of the internet, wasn't it? It was really the forums and stuff. This was wasn't like it is now it was that they were they were very niche activity right at this time they were really niche activity and i think there was like um it took off as a thing people really wanting it to be real because his story was it was very credible in an incredible kind of way and the fact that he was referencing hardware that people could get their hands on meant that there were people who were unearthing strange facts about the IBM 5100. And then title sites started popping up. And uh, there was even some conventions. I hadn't realised this, but there were some people holding John Title conventions and getting together and, you know, talking about what all of this could have meant. And I think where, where it sort of really ends up, I mean, there are people out there who still believe it, and still go into it. But I hadn't realised that an Italian TV show had hired a private eye to look into this. Had you come across this? I haven't, no. No. Well, they found out that all, all things point to a uh, an entertainment lawyer living in, um, in a place called Celebration in Florida, which is where all the people who are high up in Disney live. And when they spoke to him, the lawyer said he was uh, merely representing Titor. Um, But I think it's pretty clear that he was... I feel like he was having a go at doing a thing which he felt might have some IP in it. He might be able to turn it into a TV show or something like that. Because every good time traveller needs an agent. (laughs) Mm. Wasn't there another bit to this story where... um, a few years ago, because there was a whole thing about, I think you alluded to it right at the start, where, hold on a second, what, what they're going to send a time traveller back to buy parts for a computer. Uh, well, what you know, what kind of state is the future in? And we kind of laughed about it. But I believe a few years ago, NASA actually uh, put an ad out looking for pieces for a similar IBM computer Mm. for some of their systems because bits of it had worn out. And I remember thinking, yeah, well, practicality. (laughs) Maybe it is easier to send somebody back than to actually try and find them on eBay. I don't know. It would have made the plot to Terminator a lot duller. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I have outbid him for the piece. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, he, he's in the room. <laughs> Every time I do Arnold Schwarzenegger, it ends up in a very unpolitically correct space. So I'm not I'm not going down that route. But it did end up 
with legs you know there is tighter books there's tv shows um i mean not many tv shows but there is a stage play but the idea that something like that would capture people's minds and imagination is probably only really possible if if you have the internet i mean you would look you would look at something like the cottingley fairies and say that probably did the same with the aid of newspapers and publications but it did require a few people of note to get behind it and give it some wind and even then i'm not sure there was a whole load of people going around going oh we need to have a fairy convention because of these fairies i think a lot of people just thought oh that's a neat story so it got me thinking there must be more time travel things like this this can't be the first time that someone has presented such a on the surface of it compelling story and this was when i bumped into father annette's chronovisor now i had sort of heard about this in my peripheral vision but i'd never really paid any notice until now and i realized now reading into it it has a lot of comparisons to the john titer thing have you ever come across this is this the one that's that's always connected with the Vatican? Or is this yeah, that's different? right. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, the well, I'll <clears throat> I'll start from the top because um, you'll see how the Vatican comes into it, and it really all starts with an article in. There's always something I can't pronounce. I'm going to call it the Courier Sunday, which is a Italian newspaper. It's really called La, La Domenica del Correri. Yes. Everyone knows it as the Courier Sunday, though, don't they? <laughs> Everyone calls it the Courier Sunday. Even the most fluent Italians call it that. But it's a um, it's a long-established weekly news magazine, um, you know, a comparable to The Week or something like that. And the headline was, um, Invented a Machine That Photographs the Past. And again, like John Titor, there was a diagram of the machine but also a photograph of an ancient event, event, the face of Jesus Christ during his crucifixion. And um, because, listeners, you don't know this, but because of technical issues, we're now recording in a room that the UN wouldn't let a badger live in because it's so small. Um, So we can actually see each other. But um, from across the room, you can see that is the, the lead picture that they go with. It looks very much like what you would imagine a photograph of Jesus might look like? Well, I, I was thinking something different, actually. Oh. I don't want to be blasphemous, but it, it it looks a bit more like Charles Manson than Jesus Christ. Do you know, it me. does look like Charles Manson. Well, we'll come back to the picture because that, that plays a part. But the, the person who is telling us this story is Father Pellegrino Ernetti. And he's a musicologist who studied physics. He worked on an audio project involving Gregorian chants at the Catholic University of Milan. That's a thing to put on your business card, isn't it? And um, But he gave it up for time travel. Well, so this, it's funny because we're about to bump into Joe Meek in the corridor. Because listening to one of the tapes in September 1952... The school's founder, Father Agostino Gamelli, was convinced he heard his dead father's voice. So Annetti wondered if somehow sound continued to exist in some way. And this is interesting because when we were talking to previous guests around um, EVPs, electronic voice phenomena, it had never really occurred to me that it was a a time travel thing we'd spoken about stone tape theory and we'd spoken about entities but i hadn't really thought of it as a time travel thing but that's where they go to well it's interesting you say that because weirdly when i was away on my holiday we in in the little camper van we had we had a kind of old school dvd player that wouldn't even play blu-rays so we had to dig through some of our old collection uh, and I watched the the Carl Sagan uh, based film with Jodie Foster in Contact. Do you remember that? Film? Oh yeah, yeah, that's a great film. And there's a lovely bit at the start where it 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 kind of goes through the solar system and through the galaxy and out through the universe. And what bits of sound have travelled so far during that period? 
going back in time and then you get to a point where humans have not put out any sound recordings or put them out into into the ether and so it just goes silent so and I, like you even with that i've never made that connection but it it makes sense if light travels around and we're looking at stars from millions of years ago the same thing happens with sound right yeah yeah well i guess that's their thinking because Gamelli also happened to be president of the Pontifical Academy of Sciences and he managed to obtain funding for a team led by Anetti to explore the question, which is, that's quite a... That, that's the kind of gig you want to get, isn't it? Isn't that a gig? I, I, do we, do, we want a gig like that. We want some rich, you know, what, what do they call patron? Yeah. To basically fund us... Talking nonsense on the internet. I mean, researching the paranormal gives me an idea for a Patreon account. <laughs> yeah, <there you> go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's not just the two of them. Twelve of them worked for years on the project. Twelve people. I mean, that's a job interview, isn't it? What do you think about sort of noises from the past? How much does it pay? Sure, I've I've always I mean, thought that. I mean. <laughs> What are the hours? <laughs> <laughs> um, and two of the people, and this is this is where it starts going. Sorry, what? One of them is Nobel laureate Enrico Fermi. You'll have heard about him at school. Really? The other one, yeah, Fermi's equation. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The other one is rocket scientist Werner von Braun. Really? Really. Whoa. Yeah. So Werner von Braun, he's the guy that gets out during Operation Paperclip in Nazi Germany after the war, gets taken over to the States and given a prime job at NASA developing space rockets. He is largely credited with developing the Apollo space program. But here he is. Wasn't there also some connection of him, you know, some conspiracies of him... Reverse engineering Roswell Mm -hmm. as well, I've heard. Yeah, yeah, that is true. That is true. Wow. Um, Gets about, doesn't he? But here he is at the Vatican looking at whether sound from the past can be brought back. Wow. And there's an interview um, where Annetti said that the group... Sorry, it is the interview in this newspaper said that the group discovered that sound and light disintegrate into different energy forms using a series of antennas made of three mysterious metals the coronavirus coronavirus the coronavisor <laughs> reconstructed residual electromagnetic radiation left over by numerous processes a sensor could select a specific location date and even a particular person and the reconstruction appeared on a cathode ray tube. Now, two questions I have. One... <laughs> Only two. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the second one being um, the cathode ray tube, like, it just seems like a... If you've got a piece of technology that can look into the past, at least design a decent screen for it. But, okay, that's not why they were investing their time. But how on earth do you program anything yeah. to attach to a specific person? It's not like Jesus is wandering around with an iPhone in his pocket being tracked by Facebook. Yeah. Yeah, you've got to know where they are, let alone how you zero in on that. I mean, yeah. Yeah. So you've got to you've got to go back in time, get the exact date. Not like we know the exact date, right? Of <laughs> you know, we yeah. know we know it's roughly within a two thousand year period, but that's about it. You got a you got a rough location, so you don't know the exact day, you don't know the exact location, and you're like pinpointing in even over a two thousand year period, uh, you know, a, a fraction. If you look at it as a clock, a fraction of a second. Yeah, yeah, you you completely are. But then it, so you kind of go, well, sure, it sounds like a um, a made-up thing. But this was researched quite heavily for a book that came out in 2002 called The New Mystery of the Vatican. And Ernetti was interviewed extensively 
for it. Now, I tried to get this book a bit like other books we've tried to get to. It's not in print and it is fabulously expensive to buy. And the budget of this show doesn't stretch to being able to spend, I think it was £104. I was going to say, was it 1999? <laughs> it was. <laughs> oh, that's very good. Yes. No. <laughs> no. Um, so what I've done is um, I've, I've managed to find commentary and some uh, PDFs that people have shared um, of the book. Unfortunately, not the whole book, but in, enough to understand what was being said. And one of the one of the things that comes out is Ernetti talks about the things that were recorded. So remember, this is not this is not a time machine in the Back to the Future sense. You you don't go there. You just get to watch what's happening. Again, so many questions like from whose perspective, like are you able to change camera angle? Who's vision mixing this experience? It doesn't really make sense. But what he says is they recorded Christ from the Last Supper to his death. They observed speeches by Napoleon and Mussolini. They went to a second century Roman market and saw a 16, uh, sorry, a 169 BC performance of the play Thyestes by Roman poet Quintus Ennius. Because obviously, that's that's what we'd all be. Well, it was funny doing. as you were saying it. I was thinking, what would I pick? Would I? You'd, I mean, you'd, I'd want to go back and see dinosaurs, right? That, yeah, that's that, exactly where I'd go first. That, that's like big on my list. I'm not sure I'd want to see historical events because if you, again, if you've not got, are they saying there's audio to go with this as well? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. There is audio because, and it is interesting you should say that because. The reason that he quotes that play is because only fragments of the play still exist. So Annetti transcribed the entire performance as proof of the coronavirus existence. There is an error in that logic, of course. You say coronavirus again as well, so there's an error in that. Did I say coronavirus? Damn it. So Annetti transcribed the entire performance as proof of the coronavirus' existence. And there's obviously a logical fault with that that's like me giving you a a written document of something somebody said in the pub two days ago and you're going oh yeah i wonder what it was that they said but it's not evidence it's you know there's no evidence there at all well i guess the only way you could kind of evidence that is if some expert kind of goes yeah that is the writing style and you know what i mean it makes sense but it's a weird thing to do to pick that right like you said, we'd go, yeah, because you could see anything. You could go to the Big Bang, couldn't you? You could solve yeah. the mystery of the universe. No, screw that. Let's go to a play instead. Well, so I understand why the first thing they did was look at all the Jesus stuff because it is the Vatican. Yeah. But aren't there more interesting bits of biblical belief that they would have gone to, you know, not necessarily before that, but would you not have gone to, for example, his, you know, immaculate conception, see what that looked like? Or Adam and Eve. But then again, Adam and Eve, yeah. maybe they did. Maybe this is some big conspiracy that maybe they did and it wasn't quite the way they imagined it or the doctrine portrayed it. So they went to a Greek play instead. Well, so Annette says that they had to disassemble the machine at the experimental stage because of the fear it could reveal anything that happened in the past, including state secrets. The claimed destruction led to the conjecture that the coronavirus still exists, stashed away in the Vatican secret archive somewhere. Well, there's a couple of things with that. It's pretty hard when it comes to that kind of technology to put the genie back in the box, right? Well, let's just take it apart. Nobody can, nobody will work out how to put it together. It's not like it's a piece of IKEA furniture. It should be able to re- be rebuilt, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just can't imagine if somebody did have a thing like that, it's just locked away. In devo- did everyone agree? Yeah, let's just lock it away. Let's not use it anymore. It's either in use right now or it didn't exist. Yeah, yeah. Well... Quite soon after the newspaper publication, people start sort of 
um, pulling this apart. And um, two of my favourite things are another newspaper or, or Italian magazine received a photograph of the face of Christ on a wood carving in a church in a small Umbrian village. And apart from being reversed, the image was identical to the photo that had appeared in the original newspaper report. And it was a Spanish sculptor who'd made this wood carving in 1931 based on a nun's vision. So how do you reckon he argued that one away? <laughs> I w how would I do it? I'd say it had obviously come to the artist and the nun's vision in, a, in an act of a miracle and his image just further solidifies the vision that the nun had bingo that's exactly what he said really? that is exactly really? what he said wow yes yeah the nun had seen the actual crucifixion in a vision that's a miracle his corona visor is a miracle job done wow. but it doesn't really end there for him because there was uh somebody else catherine eldred who's a doctor in classics she was asked to study and translate the play transcription that he had made and out of her findings the two glaring red lights are the it's only about as tenth as long as she would have expected the play to be but moreover a number of the words in it weren't part of the latin language for another 250 years she also said by the way that the wording suggested limited Latin skills, which one wouldn't expect of someone who wrote or spoke in Latin. So... Did the group go, oh, we should, told you we shouldn't have got one Braun to do it? Yeah. <laughs> At least we should have got somebody who spoke Italian. But then... The, I suppose the weirdest thing about, about this is Onetti is... He's not on his he's not a disrespected guy he's doing big work and if if that was your vocation he's doing work that is almost dream work at the vatican and he doesn't need a reason to lie he was only asked to be part of this by somebody else he didn't make it up and you know we're sorry well he didn't make up the the idea of the concept of it but to his dying day he claimed that this was real and all of these other things were put in to discredit what he'd done. And, you know, it's very hard to to prove either way because it's it's super, super easy to be as glib as I've been going, well, look, this was wrong and that was wrong. But if you were paid that money to say, just say he's wrong and everyone's going to, yeah, we thought as much, or that wood carving, I'm only giving you what I have read, and that is what everybody else will have been uh, reading. I, of all the people that know that that wood carving was that actual picture of Jesus in that newspaper article, 0.0001% of them will have gone to visit that wood carving to see for their own eyes whether that is true or not. So... I think that what we've got is a lovely John Titor kind of situation before the internet was really a thing. But I kind of feel sorry for him. If it's true, if it did possibly happen, he's, he's had his life sort of diminished by some other force that's trying to bring him down. And it made me think of all the interviews that I've seen with Bob Lazar because um, you know all we have is, is this is all we keep coming back to all we have is third third hand evidence sometimes fourth or fifth hand evidence and so it's funny you said about Bob Lazar actually because you know I guess if if we're confident that these famous names did actually have this group together and kind of go on this endeavor rather than the whole thing is a hoax it reminds me of Bob Lazar in the sense that there is a possibility that Bob Lazar and this group of eminent people were fooled by someone else. Yes. Yes, very much. Yeah, although in Bob Lazar's case, that is... Um, 
<clears throat> that's some Hollywood film level fooling. Yeah. Well, well, it made me think about it this story. I mean, maybe there is out there. I've never come across it, but I'm surprised that this hasn't been made into some kind of film or, I mean, maybe there is one out there that we're just not aware of. If anyone's heard of a film based on the Corona Pfizer concept, I'd love to hear about it, but it seems ripe, doesn't it, for something? It does seem ripe for something, um, particularly as we've heard Jeff the Talking Mongoose is turning into a film. Yeah. But it, it's it felt like it's one of those things where we want to believe it. So I mean, I'm not sure that we're desperate to believe that in 2906 there's a zombie pig uh, or at least there's evidence of a zombie pig being released. I'm not sure we're desperate for that. But that that notion, I think, because it's so in our psyche through like all the m- numerous time travel films, we kind of don't go into it going, well, that's impossible. We go into it with a, an air of, eh, maybe. Um, and we hear like scientists sometimes come out and say, you know, oh well, we, you know, Einstein's theories of relativity show that it might be possible to perhaps go backwards in time. I don't think you can go forwards in time. That's the the last piece of like considered um, sort of mainstream science uh, research that I've um, that I've heard about the topic. But so you 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 arrive at these things and go, well, if you had all the money, like the Vatican does, and you have those eminent people there maybe you could maybe you could but it does defy any sort of practical logic i mean like i say for me i think the biggest thing is who's holding the camera like when you say about what it's like what you're saying you have to pinpoint the position of light with which you are receiving the images that's what they're sort of saying so you have to be so good at like oh, yeah, well, we kind of want it about five foot off the ground and about six feet away from Jesus. Um, and then as he dies, go for a slow close-up and fade. You know, it's it's it doesn't make any sense. It's making me think of that great Mel Brooks sketch at the Last Supper. Have you ever heard? Have you ever seen that? I, I know that. it. I know it. Oh, Tell us about it. It's just that brilliant bit where where Jesus is about to make his huge speech, and every time he's about to make it, Mel Brooks comes in dressed as the waiter <laughs> at the Last Supper, and Jesus, I've got something important to announce, and, and Mel Brooks, I mean, we've got two specials today. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, I love Mel Brooks so much. And <laughs> my favourite one. There's been a meme recently, which was the, uh, the Jesus walks in. With, we need a table for twenty six, but there's only thirteen of you. We're all going to sit on one side. <laughs> yeah, and you never, you'll never beat Frankenstein doing putting on the Ritz either. Okay. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Well. I wanted to revisit, so so um, regular listeners, apart from having a high-fibre diet, will know that we put this podcast together years ago after we were, we were pitching something that was roughly this show, but with a lot more science in it, to um, a UK broadcaster. And going, going through the pitching motion means you have to do a lot of research. The reason we don't do so much science now is because, boy... It is really, really hard to research science if you haven't got any budget at all. And, you know, a lot of the paranormal stories, we could we could speculate on the science, but we love the we love the stories. But do you remember we uncovered because we were trying to find a case of real life time travel to convince a commissioner to buy our show? And this article I still had saved, and I thought it was it was rather lovely, and it's sort of it's the it's the way that um, people don't really talk about time travel, but this was kind of time traveling. It really happened, and it was headlined: Chinese scientists set the record for the farthest quantum teleportation. Yes, I remember this. This is um, was it? It's, if I get this right, it's it was particles. 
wasn't one particle on the moon and one was on Earth or something and they got them to move at the same time, which means it would have had to travel in time to do it. It's something like that. Yeah, 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 very much. Well, one one particle was actually um, in a satellite in orbit, 870 miles um, above the Earth. And what they did was beamed the quantum state of a photon um, into orbit. Now, so that sort of means that it's a it's a really complex thing to get your head around but in a nutshell what it means is that um it instantaneously without um any um without the so we talk about how the speed of light is the thing that controls everything and if you if you follow einstein's theory you could move in time if you go faster than the speed of light and we kind of know this from I guess a good a good notion would be when Concorde was going there was the clocks on Concorde would gradually lose time because Concorde was going so fast it wasn't 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 losing much we're talking like a thousandth of a second every year but they would that is the effect that's happening just because it's getting closer to the speed of light this beaming doesn't uh isn't is unaffected by the speed of light but what they did was utilize this um quantum entanglement this is kind of also where we get the name of the podcast from spooky action at a distance when two particles are entangled they remain connected so that an action performed on one affects the other as well no matter how far apart the two are so what what they were doing was was beaming this state to this photon and it would then react according to how the photon on earth was being manipulated without any drag so there is no speed of light or whatever and and so this is this is the kind of the closest thing to time travel so if if you were to put it into something that a bear with a limited brain like myself you have a bourbon biscuit in space you give it the uh the quantum mapping of a bourbon biscuit on earth that once you have tied them together in quantum entanglement you dip a biscuit in your tea on earth the biscuit in space goes through the same motion but it does it absolutely at the same time and that biscuit could be at the other end of the universe and it would be doing the same thing and that is the closest that we can say with any kind of uh, credibility that we've got to time travel on earth yes because i can never get this right about because it's the same thing if you are at the bottom of a tall building and if i was at the bottom of a tall building and you were at the top of a tall building time would be running slight minusculely but slightly differently for you than me but i can't remember if it's slower or faster um I think what's interesting, what was sparking my idea, because I remember when uh, this is this is this is a a quantum leap. Um, when we talked about the the Tic Tac UFO, uh, I think we came down to the conclusion that the Tic Tac UFO was either an alien spacecraft, yeah, that's mm-hmm. kind of the the perceived one, either secret American technology or secret technology from um a uh, a hostile nation let's put it that way mm-hmm. towards the US but it does make you think if you if you think if there is a chinese experiment which can do this <laughs> it wasn't a bourbon cream but let's just go with a biscuit can dip the biscuit in space from down here that gives you and there's that kind of manipulation of time that does give you the possibility that's just what we know about what we don't know about all the secret uses of that kind of technology it does make it a little bit more credible that the tic tac ufo could be some secret chinese weapon or or craft yeah yeah it does it 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 definitely does but i went all conspiracy theory didn't i but I'd quite like to sleep tonight, so I'm not going to think about that. <laughs> but, but yeah, yeah, it does, it does. But it also, you know, in a, if you can master this spooky action at a distance, 
it does mean that you could control whatever kind of craft that was a, a billion light years across the galaxy if you wanted to and you could still do it in real time yeah. and and i think that is that's the crazy thing it's not so what we're doing is getting closer to being able to manipulate um data in space without the lag of time that's kind of what we're being able to do does does raise the question whether stars are just some alien species quantum fairy lights stop drinking now <laughs> yeah yeah no I know, I know where you're coming from but would you do you remember when we were talking about this we also said this is kind of like roughly how <clears throat> if they were real a star trek um beam yeah, device transporter, transporter would work yeah what i think is really interesting is you this kind of angle for it is comes outside the kind of stereotypical thought of time travel because if you think about time travel movies and time travel concepts and science fiction generally you realise it does take quite a safe path, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. We're going to go back in time and change this or go into the future or, you know, whereas this idea of this kind of, this quantum entanglement, it, it gives you a different perspective on what time travel is. It's not about going back or forward in time. It's just about the distortions between time uh, between two points or two people. I, I, I didn't explain that well, but um, I think it's explained well in Interstellar, isn't it, where they go onto that planet which has got the huge waves and the guys upstairs, up up, uh, up in the spaceship and then obviously when they go back, they've been on the planet for a few minutes, but because they're by a black hole, he's kind of aged like 40 years. That kind of concept of time travel I think is... It's a lot, weirdly, it's a lot more easy to get your head round rather than, oh, I'm going to go back to when Jesus was having his last supper. Mm. Yeah, yeah, no, it is. And it makes a lot more sense to invest your research into that area because really there's not a lot, not a lot to be gained by physically taking a human into the past and then doing something there because we know you know we know the danger of that you, you know although it's been um in back to the future it's obvious and it's probably obviously impossible but doing it at this level it's probably more likely which does make you think maybe the vatican did find a way maybe what they were doing was using some kind of quantum entanglement um but displaying it on a a 1970s tv screen seems highly highly unlikely but have you seen the price of those plasma ones whoa <laughs> well if he'd been doing his business he'd have gone back to find the time when i think it was phillips invented the screen then he would have built that and then he'd have had a much nicer thing to look at it on they could have changed the course of history we could we could have used sony betamax which would have been a much better system than vhs they could have changed our childhood Damn you, Father Annette. <laughs> Why do you mock us? I'm so depressed now, I want to get eaten by a zombie pig. <laughs> well, uh, let me see what I can do. <laughs> but anyway, that is that is what I think about time travel. That, that is kind of like, in, in essence, it appears to be either an internet meme, real or something which is so difficult to explain, it sort of exists, but not quite, but sort of, enough to get yeah. away with. Well, I think that's, the, I, I mean, in a way, that I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re-summarise your summary, which seems like an odd thing to do. And it kind of coming back to that point I just made, it's like, you know, when I think of time travel, I think of those stories of, you know, Donald Trump's a time traveller and those weird coincidences and people chipping up at airports with passports from places that don't exist. But actually, I think this kind of approach, that more, that scientific angle to it, the kind of quantum entanglement stuff, 
that you know i think you the summary should be yeah there's a lot of noise out there there's a lot of stuff that is either fake or doesn't make any sense but actually there is some solid science that okay at a minuscule level that we know about time travel does exist and actually when you put your brain in the gear of that that experiment that was done by the chinese scientists that opens up a whole new range of possibilities yeah okay you did put that a lot better but yeah i think that's right and that article is now five years old yeah so imagine what they have done since yeah yeah they've worked out what they ate at the last supper (laughs) (laughs) it would have to be something good wouldn't it It to be great wouldn't it if it's your last supper yeah so so i could just see at the end they're all arguing who had the halloumi starter it's a two fat pound fifty was it Jesus? For the <laughs> oh that was excellent yeah no i really liked the approach i tell you what it was it is weird that i, I was literally over well, while i was away on holiday thinking we need to revisit time travel so i'm really pleased that you did do it because i didn't know you were going to do that today and uh yeah those stories definitely deserve the uh a better airing than we probably did Uh, when we first talked about the subject so that's really good excellent well we will definitely come back to it at some point because we've got about another thousand of these things to make well and if it's time travel we may have already come back to it oh yeah that's true actually yeah well we'll see you next week or last week depending on where we are (laughs) in the time (laughs) continuum for uh for more quantum mechanics okay see you next time Bye 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 the quantum mechanics.